Good morning, everybody. Welcome to church. My name is Grant, one of the pastors here at Cedar Valley, and we are super excited that you've chosen to spend part of your weekend with us together online. If this is one of your first times joining us, a special welcome to you and really welcome to everybody here. This is a fun way of gathering online and it does have a real live experience. And let me tell you about that because honestly, I am pre-recorded here, I'm not live, but we present this at 10 a.m. So if you join us at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings, you do get a unique experience of actual live chatting happening on Facebook and YouTube on the side pane comments there. And if you haven't experienced this yet, let me give you a hand. So again, watching on Facebook or YouTube, but especially Facebook, because honestly, you YouTube viewers, it's pretty silent there like crickets. But what you can do is hop over to the commenting section while you're going there. If you're watching on Facebook on a phone, it's underneath. If you're on a computer or desktop, a web browser, it's on the side, depending on what system you're using with. Uh, some of you may be watching on a smart TV using YouTube, and it seems like there are no comments, but what you can actually do is bring those up and overlay them over top of the screen so you can see people chatting. What you do is hit down on the arrow pad uh, on your controller there, or even just maybe an enter button somewhere. Bring up that progress bar, and you're gonna see a few icons on the bottom, and one of the icons looks like a little chat bubble, and if you select that, it's gonna throw up all the comments on the side of the screen there. Actually, I think it's this side right here. Yeah, did you try it out? And anyways, what you can do is see that we actually have a number of us who are watching this 10 a.m. every, lots of us, dozens really, who are watching 10 a.m. every Sunday, chatting, engaging with, responding to the worship, the prayer, the message going on. And it brings this really uniting feel that we're in this together, guys. You might be watching in your living room at home or in a, well, not a coffee shop probably, but maybe even out in the park, stuff like that, or you're in the watch party happening here at the church on Sunday mornings. Uh, if you don't have access to a TV or device and we're watching this, we are engaging, we're worshiping, we're learning, we're praying together live. And what you do need is an account to do that. So you need a Facebook account on Facebook or a YouTube account on YouTube. And if you need help setting that up, find a friend or family member who's more tech savvy. And you know what, if, uh, if you don't have quick access to that, give the church a phone call and I will help you out. I'll do the best I can do to direct you how to set up an account like that. Or you can even come on down to the church. If you've got a laptop, I'll try to help set you up on that. But we would love to get everybody as much as possible engaged. If you want to stay best informed with the different ministries and events and stuff happening, follow us on Facebook or Instagram or head over to our website, cedarvalley.ca and sign up for our email newsletter. It's not just spam, it's actually one of our best hubs of getting information like our church reopening guidelines, what Bible study stuff might look like, really what we're looking forward to in the, the rest of 2020 coming up here. Uh, but you gotta sign up for that and you can also sign up by or by signing up for our email newsletter. You also get access on Sundays. We're sending out uh, kids bedtime reading stories which are just good wholesome classics that our staff and teachers that used to do Sunday school um, and have, we're taking a break right now are reading. Uh, you get the video and audio of that. So fantastic opportunity happening on Sunday evenings. But head over to the website, sign up for our email newsletter. You can also find out information there, like how to give online through different methods, either e-transfer, uh, online giving, or what it looks like to send checks to us, which helps support the ministry and efforts and work of Cedar Valley, especially while we're going through massive adaptations like doing digital online services. What a weird concept. Um, and frankly, it just helps us reach into our community with the message of the gospel in unique and different ways. And as we can continue to discern ways of doing that, we massively appreciate your financial generosity. All right, and we're also a church that prays for each other. We pray together. You can send prayer requests to us on our website, uh, just cedarvalley.ca slash pray. You can find that anywhere, just a pray tab on the website. You can also email us pray at cedarvalley.ca just to make it nice and simple there for you. And we send those out on a prayer chain, which we'd love to get you on. If you are wondering how to get involved in that, just give us a phone call or an email. We'll get you set up with that. Um, but this morning, we're going to open up with a time of prayer. So join me in that. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for being in our houses, in our lives, wherever we're at, God. You're not part of a building, not part of whatever it is. The church is not a place we go to, God. The church is us joining together, worshiping you, proclaiming your name and your goodness. Thank you for that honestly radical way of interacting with us in this world. And it's pandemic proof, honestly, God. So we thank you for that. God, we are celebrating some 
uh, recoveries that we've been hearing about in our prayer chain for God, for surgeries that are now finally scheduled, uh, healing that we're anticipating happening out of that, God, for successful recoveries from surgeries happening, for people healing from illnesses. God, we also know that people are losing some of those battles, and we pray for healing there where it may be due, but God, we also just pray for comfort, love, and compassion for families who are suffering some loss and hurt through that. God, we just ask that you bless this morning, the message coming from Pastor Doug, that we're receptive to hearing the words that you are speaking to us through this, God, as we talk about hypocrisy, as we talk about how we live as real, authentic disciples following your son, Jesus Christ. And God, we just pray that you bless the offering that's been given generously to uh, Cedar Valley Church, that it is multiplied, that it is used effectively for your mission, God, and uh, that it blesses this city. So God, we pray all these things in your name. Amen. All right, this morning we're going to be starting off with a time of singing uh, some worship songs. It's a time where we just praise God for how great He is. There's going to be lyrics on the screen for you so you can join in however you feel comfortable. After that, Allison is bringing us a special message for the kids who are watching along with us. And there's going to be jelly beans involved, so stick around for that. It's great for kids of all ages. Parents, you're going to love it too. And wrapping up the, today, we have Pastor Doug bringing us the next message. He's tackling uh, the next topic in our Ask Why series about probably one of the most common complaints that uh, the world throws at Christians or church people, really religious people in general, is why are Christians such hypocrites? Why are we so judgmental when we don't look at ourselves? And why do we seem to have double standards all the time? So Doug's taking a look at the Bible, how it is going to help us understand where we've fallen short, how we can really glorify God in this life, and how we can love the world around us. So stick around for that. It's going to be a great morning, Cedar Valley. But just before we head into all that, I have a question. Have you noticed my hair? Right? It's a little different. This is the first haircut I've had in seven months, since March, since this all started. And uh, it took so long that we stopped halfway through and left all this stuff up top. Now, actually, I like it. We're trying a bit of a different style. But if you're watching live, head over to the comment section of Facebook or YouTube and let's engage in a little bit of a discussion. Share with us a haircut story that you've got. Maybe it was a really bad haircut and you wanted to stay home from school for a few weeks. Or maybe you went through a mullet phase which if that's true, please send us a picture. I want to see that. But head over to the comment section of Facebook or YouTube. Uh, just spend a minute. Let's just share a few stories, uh, some haircut stories, maybe some great times, maybe some mohawks or whatnot. Thanks, Cedar Valley, for joining us. We're going to have a great morning. Good morning, Cedar Valley. Uh, welcome to uh, Cedar Valley Online, and we're looking forward to uh, worshiping together this morning. Please join us, thanks.
morning, Cedar Valley kids. I'm Allison, and this is Trevor and Callie and Weston. And we are here just to try out some jelly beans today, actually. How many of you have had jelly beans before? Me. You guys have had them? How many of you guys have had jelly beans? So I'm going to pass out this little jelly bean here. And I'm going to have you guys take a look. What flavor do you think that jelly bean could be? Lemon. Lemon, maybe it's like a green, it's like a green kind of speckly pickle. jelly bean. Ooh, pickle. pickle, that's a good guess. What do you think, Trevor? Mmm, dotted lime. Dotted lime, okay, and usually this one, he asked, can you go back there? Usually this one I think is pear. So we're all gonna try it and see what flavor we actually have. You guys ready? Here we go. Mmm, I didn't get pear. <laughs> what? I'm not sure what mine is. Maybe, um, that's so bad. Socks? I'm not sure. What about yours? What did yours taste like? No idea. No idea? <laughs> I Was got it good? Socks. You got dirty socks too? All right, we're gonna try a bean here, jelly bean. So look at that jelly bean, examine it here. What flavor do you think this pink one could be? Mine is pink with some blue speckles. Mine is pink with green speckles. Okay, so what do you think yours is? Mine is pink with green speckles. Perfect, I think Mine we all have the same flavor. Okay, so what what flavor do we think this is? I, I think, think this mine, is. I think mine is cotton candy. Ooh, good I guess. I think mine is pink cotton candy. Pink cotton candy, what I do you think? think? Mine is um, moldy strawberry. Moldy strawberry. Oh man. I believe the typical flavor is tutti frutti. So we're going to give it a shot. Okay, ready? Here we go. Mm. Yeah. You're not sure what you got? I'm not sure either, actually. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's what tutti frutti is supposed been, to taste like, though. So I've yeah. been boozled. We have been being boozled. So sometimes, you guys. What something looks like from the outside might not be what is actually on the inside. Mm. So sometimes we might try and make, think, make people think that we are perfect on the outside when inside we might be struggling with something. Maybe there's mistakes we make or just something that we don't want other people to see. So we might try and hide that away but make people think that on the outside everything is perfect, right? Sometimes we might even point out other people's imperfections, the mistakes that they make just so that we don't have to think about our own. So if you take these peaches, for example, you look at this peach, looks pretty nice. Nice, nice color to it. It's got a really good feel to it. Looks really, really great. Mm, over on this side, we have this peach. It's had some better days, hey? There's some cuts and some bruises and some things here. And maybe this peach would be so busy looking at the bruises here that he might not realize that some of his own imperfections or his problems here are showing on the outside. Like how many of you have ever noticed that your brother or your sister or your friend might do something that's really annoying? Maybe they hum while they play or something like that and it just makes you so angry and you get really annoyed by it. Have you ever taken the time to think if maybe you do the same thing or something that might agitate them? So it's something to think about when you're busy looking at what other people are doing. Try and consider what you might do as well and things that you can improve on. And kids, none of us are perfect. Jesus loves us all exactly the same, no matter what imperfections we have. He might look at this peach and you know what? He doesn't focus on this thing. He focuses on all of the great things about this peach, all of the sweetness that the rest of the peach, we can cut around outside of these and get really good pieces of peach out of this. And you know what? If we ask for God's help, he can make us be this really amazing peach. He loves you all so much. And God wants us to love people just like he loves people. He wants us to look past those mistakes and treat everyone the same. So that's all I have for you today. I hope you have a great Sunday. We'll see you later, Cedar Valley kids. She left the house early that morning, as she usually did, shuffling slowly down the street. It took her a long time to get anywhere and even longer to get home. Children skipped and ran past her. Adults walked briskly around her. 
Even short walks seemed like a long journey. But she was undeterred as she plodded along. The church was packed that day. Every seat filled. The message was great. People were hanging on every word the preacher said. There was something about his teaching that just drew the people close. Believers, skeptics, even opponents. You couldn't help but want to hear more. He spoke as if God himself were talking. And then he paused, stopping in the middle of a sermon, and he pointed to someone in the crowded auditorium. Who was he looking at? There were murmurs and whispers, squirms. And then he was talking to her, the crippled one. Ma'am, can you come up here, please? It wasn't easy. It took her a while, but that was all right. Jesus had the time. For 18 years, this woman had been bent over, unable to straighten up. She knew each cobblestone in the street well, for that's about all that she could see. There were no simple tasks for her. She existed in pain. Her life was so limited, so many things that she could just not do. But that day, she could make her way to Jesus. Now, all of the eyes of the room were on her, and then back to Jesus. The click of her cane and the soft scraping of her feet across the floor filled the room. And there, his warmth and tenderness enveloped her. And then we read in the book of Luke, chapter 13, verse 12, he says, Dear woman, you are set free from your sickness. And in that moment, she was healed, amazed, awed. Astounded, the people celebrated, and they were jumping and dancing. And some were saying, I'm coming back next Sunday. But not everyone was happy with this healing. The church leader stood up, and he killed the joy as he indignantly declared, He can't do that. He healed on a Sunday. There are six days in the week to work. Be healed on those days, but not today. And then in Luke 13, 15, we have Jesus' response. You hypocrite. You know, an invitation to dinner is always nice. Just to know that someone has taken the time to prepare a meal and their home for you. It's heartwarming. And you know, when it comes to mealtime, every family has their own table rules. It could be no hats, pray before you eat, no elbows on the table, or maybe when the dessert is served, wait for the hostess to take the first bite. There are many others, and I'm sure that you have probably enforced some of these and also broken your fair share of them. When, we, when the youth at Cedar Valley used to go up to Rough Acres Bible Camp to work with the children there, they had some table rules. And sometimes if you were caught with your elbows on the table, the kids would start to sing. And if you got caught with your elbows on the table, then you would have to stand up, go in front of the entire dining hall, and sing a song. Or if they really wanted to get you, they would sing and chant and sing until you got up and ran down the hill to the lake and jumped off the dock into the lake. <laughs> that was the punishment for breaking the table rule. 
the Pharisees, they had their own table rules. And there was one that was particularly important. It was to wash your hands. And see, the Pharisees, they had a problem with Jesus. Well, because he didn't wash his hands properly before he ate. <laughs> no kidding. It was an actual rule. Remember when your kids were young, or maybe it was just yesterday, and you called them inside for dinner and you had to remind them, wash your hands with soap and water. And then they come around the corner and they appear at the table and you notice there's still dirt. Did you use soap? Did you use water? And you head to the bathroom and the evidence on the towel is that they did not. Well, in Luke chapter 11, verse 37 and 38, we read, A Pharisee invited him to eat with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. But the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first wash before the meal. You see, for the Pharisees, it wasn't just about getting the dirt off your hands. There was a four-step process to being ceremonially, ceremonially clean, <laughs> really. And it goes like this. Step one, make sure your hands are clean. Yeah, this seems counterproductive. But remember, it's not about cleanliness. It was about ritual. Then, step two, fill a washing cup with enough water for both of your hands. If you're left-handed, begin with your left hand. If you're right-handed, begin with your right hand. Step three, pour the water twice on your dominant hand and then twice on your other hand. Make sure the water covers your entire hand up to the wrist and then pour and separate your fingers so that the water touches the whole of your hand. Step four, after washing, Grab a towel, and as you dry your hands, recite this blessing. Well, of course, it would have been in Hebrew, but the English translation is as follows. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and commanded us regarding the washing of hands. And when challenged with why he did not do this in front of the Pharisee at his table in his house, Jesus' response, you hypocrite. You make a big deal about being clean on the outside, but you are filthy on the inside. You are full of greed and wickedness. I can just imagine the table conversation after that. See, Jesus' problem with the Pharisees, which he directed some of his harshest criticism towards, they were hypocrites. They knew their Bibles well, but they didn't know the heart of God. See, the Pharisees, they're a group of religious leaders in Jesus' day, and they began as very well-meaning individuals. See, they revered the Word of God, and they set out to preserve the sanctity of God's Holy Word, the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament Bible. See, and the name Pharisee, it even means separate ones. They were strict legalists, who developed complex traditions that specified in great detail application of the law to every circumstance in life. See, and they also demanded that others strictly adhere to their teachings, not just those of the Bible. See, the problem was the rules became their religion. And actually, there were 613 extra made-up religious rules they wanted you to follow. And the Pharisees were in constant conflict with Jesus because he wasn't keeping the rules. And then we find in Matthew 23, Jesus didn't hold back 
as he spoke against the lifestyle of the Pharisees. He called them over the span of about 20 verses. He called them fools, blind guides, called them snakes, a brood of vipers, and then whitewashed tombs. Why such harsh words? Well, he said in Matthew 23, verse 5, They put on a show for others to see, but would not help anyone. In verse 13, he said, Their zeal for keeping the made-up rules was stopping them and those who followed them from experiencing God. In verse 15, he said, You taught people about rules, but not about relationships. Verse 23, 24, he said, They made giving money to the church more important than living a life of justice and of mercy and of faithfulness. And verse 25 and 26, he said, You are more important, or you are more concerned with outward appearance than inward integrity and character. And then finally, in verse 27 and 28, he said, They were beautiful on the outside. They took extra attention with their garments and they had tassels and bright colors. He says, but on the inside, you were rotten. And that's why the term whitewashed tomb, as was the practice in that day, tombs that were carved out of the rock and the hillside and had large stones rolled against them were painted white. And they had flowers adorning them and, and they actually looked quite attractive. But inside, there was rotting, decaying flesh. Now, church, I'm not calling you a bunch of hypocritical Pharisees. But we do need to be mindful about what we do and why we do it. Remember, the Pharisees started as a group of individuals who were very concerned with preserving the integrity of God's holy word. But they got sidetracked by keeping regulations and by their appearance, and they lost sight of God's great love and His incredible compassion. So, what does the world think of Christians? Well, let me use the words of Frank Stanza when he says, I've got a lot of problems with you people. The problem with Christians is, Gandhi put it this way. He said, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Wow. That is quite an indictment. For as Christians, we are called to be followers of Jesus, to be Christ-like. So what really does the world think of Christians? Well, some would say that Christians are too judging of others. They can be self-righteous. They can be fake, covering up issues and problems, or hypocrites, that we are hypocritical. Now, some of it is a misunderstanding, for sure, of, of what it means to be a Christian. But at times, what the world sees is not what it should be seeing in our lives. And we don't even realize it. In the quest for truth and righteousness, it is possible to live by rules rather than faith. Or the problem with our walk is that it doesn't always match our talk. And sometimes our talk doesn't even match our talk. But if you are someone, and I'm talking to you, maybe you're watching this, and you are considering Christ, 
I want to tell you that Jesus should be your model. While a Christian should live a life that models the life of Jesus, if a Christian you know has come up short, that is no reason for you not to believe or to follow Jesus. You will not be able to use the excuse before God. Well, I didn't like the Christians I saw, so I didn't believe in Jesus. See, the thing, all of us, is we're on a journey. We're learning how to put aside the old self and live to the new one. We grow in the Lord, becoming mature in our faith, which results in a lifestyle which reflects that I am becoming more like Christ. It's a process. But because of sin, I am not yet all that God desires me to be. But I am changing. Christ is at work in me. So, as Christians, as believers, let's watch what we say. Let's not pretend to be something we're not. Have humility. Allow ourselves to admit our shortcomings. And quite simply, we need to own our sin, but not continue to live in it. And yet, how do we do that? Well, it starts by examining ourselves. You know, admittedly, this is risky business. Because we may find, if we look close, something that shouldn't be there. But better yet, get God to do the searching. For He's better at it than you are. Just like you're better at finding stuff than your kids are, because I'm sure you've heard voices calling from the room, I can't see it, I can't find it. And you yell back, have you lifted anything? Have you moved anything? They're often not good at finding. And you know what, quite honestly, husbands occasionally have this problem too. But look at Psalm 139, verse 23 where it says, Search me, God, and know my heart, and see if there is any offensive way in me. But don't forget the second part, is that to follow and lead me in the way everlasting. That once this is revealed, that you would, we would follow God into the way that He is calling us. And having discovered that, then we continue with confessing wrong attitudes and actions. And there's opportunity to do this both before God and to the person that you may have wronged. For we're told in James chapter 5, verse 16, confess your sins to one another. And then in Matthew 7, verse 1, we're quite plainly told, do not judge or you will be judged. See, it's not our job to judge. Jesus did not give his life for us to judge others. You know, quite honestly, very few people get judged into life change. Far more get loved into it. That does, not mean that, that does not mean that there's approval of sin. And at times, there needs to be a straight-up challenge of wrong behavior. But before you challenge someone, we need to look at our own life first. For this passage continues right after the part about not judging. In Matthew 7, verse 3 to 5, it says, Why do you look at the speck? of sawdust in someone else's eye, and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. How can you say, let me take that speck out of your eye, while well, all the time there is a plank in your own? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from the other person's eye. It starts with some, some self-evaluation. 
then we are in a position to assist those to walk the journey with Jesus as well. And it's really important for us to continue to be amazed at God's grace in our life. In Romans 5.8, we read, For while we were yet sinners, what? Christ died for us. We didn't do anything to earn it or achieve it. It's not because we had a certain status. While we were in that state of sin, Jesus gave himself. That is amazing grace. That is the work of God. See, and then I understand that I'm not better than others. I'm just forgiven. We need to be real with who we are. What do those around us see in our lives? How do we love our spouse? How do we care for our children? And I also want to encourage you to be a friend. See, Jesus hung out with people all the time who lived far from the church. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 10, we find Jesus reclining in a house with a room full of very questionable people. And then the Pharisees, they condemned Jesus for hanging out where they considered sinners. In one translation, it actually says, why does your teacher, talking to the disciples, eat with scum? Because they didn't fit their view idea of somebody that was religious, that was proper. But you know what? People are people. We need to be friends with people who don't know Jesus. Jesus pursued friendship with people and he ate with them. He hung out in their homes. He traveled together with all types of people. But while we do, continue to live out your values, your morality, your commitment to God and His Word. But as you build real friendships, it will allow you to talk about the meaning of life and what God has done in your life. I want to leave you with a thought, a statement from Reggie Joyner. People will never believe you love them if they feel you don't like them. And really, that is the heart of the gospel, of being with people, friends with those who yet don't know the love of Jesus. So they can see not you and how good you are, but they can see Jesus living in you, because that's really the heart of the gospel. So I want to encourage you to walk and to live like Jesus with an abounding love that shows people not so much you, but the Jesus that lives within you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this incredible grace that you have extended to us while we were yet sinners. God, for all of us. God, and today we acknowledge the wonder of who you are, the work of your Son, Jesus Christ. And God, that we would live, we would talk, we would walk in such a way that people would see Jesus within us. We would not be so concerned about presenting ourselves. But God, we would be concerned about presenting you who live within us. Continue with us, God, as we journey along. Be our hope. Be our strength. Be our joy. God, may we Live that life that shows that you 
dwell within. Continue with us, we pray. Amen. Thank you for gathering with us today. It has been a joy as we have gathered and worship God during this time of great blessing upon our lives. Enjoy your day.